What's going on? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Shannon Smith, and welcome to another episode of the Successes Within Reach podcast, season two, episode 11, questions from the audience. That's right, questions from the audience. Today's podcast is all about you. All right. So today I want to bring a very special guest to the stage. Uh, this gentleman is a business consultant. He's an entrepreneur, an investor, a motivational speaker, a policy developer and a success coach um, from the DMV area. For those that are unfamiliar with the term DMV, that's D.C., Maryland and Virginia. And guess what? Today's special uh, guest is me. I'm your host and your guest today. I'll be rocking out with you, answering all of the questions that you all have been sending in uh, to the inbox and the chat, um, you know, and send it to me directly as well. You guys send some super, super questions after each podcast episode just about. Um, and, you know, I wanted to take an uh, episode to just really focus in on what it is that you all have questions on, what it is that you're struggling with, what it is that you're trying to get better with, um, as the aim of this podcast is to help you create the blueprint to your success in life. So without further ado, um, I want to remind everybody that you can join in the conversation, submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. Once again, you can join in the conversation and submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. All right, let's get into it. So the first question we have comes from Greg and it says, what are your views on the school to prison pipeline? And do you ever think it'll be abolished? So that's a hell of a question to start out with. Uh, so as far as the school to prison pipeline goes, my views are it's absolutely horrible and it sucks. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I have very strong opinions on it. Um, it's something that's been systematically built over the years um, to oppress um, minorities. In this country, it's something that is super profitable to um, a lot of very wealthy people and corporations. Um, I absolutely think that it should be abolished. However, to answer your question, I don't think that it'll ever be abolished. Um, we live in a country, unfortunately, that is built on greed and it's built on um, keeping certain people of a certain status um, in a position of power and holding those that haven't reached that level down. Um, you know, there are reports where they are now figuring out where to build prisons based on the test scores of third and fifth graders in certain cities, uh, which I think is absolutely horrible. Uh, but at the same time, it goes to show uh, just how, how important education is. You know, um, it's something that we can't stress enough how important it is to be educated in the classroom as well as outside of the classroom. You know, there are people uh, or powers that be rather um, that are looking at the education level of a certain city and then using those statistics to say, okay, based on the education of this particular city, this particular community, um, this is the amount of people that we think will be committing crime, or this is the amount of people that we think are going to be dropouts and are going to, you know, be out here murdering or selling drugs or, or committing whatever the, you know, the crime is. Um, yes, systemic racism is very long. Um, and I, I agree with this comment. Our generation wouldn't see it abolished for sure. Um, like I said, there, there are just too many political powers, financial powers that be when it comes to the school to prison pipeline. I don't think it'll ever be abolished. Will it ever get better? It depends. Um, depends on what? Depends on us. It depends on people that have an issue with it, going out to vote in their local elections, going out to vote in senatorial elections, going out to vote in presidential elections. 
and getting the people out that have invested interest in these pipelines and getting those uh, voted in that do want to see it abolished and do want to see change and do want to see, you know, more dollars put into education and put into um, uplifting communities and uh, instead of keeping them down and keeping them um, poverty stricken, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, just, yeah, I, I could go forever on that one. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you want to see the change, um, but it's almost self-defeating because like I said, I don't think we'll ever see it. You know, it's, it's just one of those categories where there's so many people that wanted to change. There's so much that sucks about it. Um, but I, I just think that there's too much money involved, um, you know, and I hate to say it, but the system is rigged, you know, for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that we'll ever see it get abolished. But great question. All right. Next question we have comes from Alex. Uh, how do you stop or disrupt gentrification in urban communities? Another excellent question. Um, I don't know that you stop it. However, you can disrupt it. So I, I think your, your question has hope on the second half of how it was asked. Um, I don't believe that you can actually stop it just because of the dollars that go into um, development and real estate. A lot of them don't lie in the communities that gentrification affects. However, you can disrupt it by properly educating, you know, the younger generations. Hey, don't sell grandma's house. Don't sell grandpa's house. Um, this land has been in the family for generations. Hold on to it. Don't just take the quick check from such and such to turn it into a McDonald's or turn it into a CVS or a Walgreens or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, we, we have to accept our part in allowing certain communities to fall, you know, whether it's a bunch of dilapidated houses, uh, whether it's, you know, being overcome by drugs and gangs, um, the lack of resources for the children, whether it's youth centers, skating rings, bowling alleys, whatever, playgrounds, basketball courts, and what have you. We have to take more pride in our own communities if we want to disrupt the cycle of gentrification in urban communities. We can't just say, oh, they're taking this, they're taking that. What are you doing to stop it? You know, a lot of people want to talk the talk, but you got to walk it as well. If you want to disrupt something and you want to stop something, you have to be an active part of it. Um, so you can't just say, oh, they're taking this, they're taking that, and then raising the property value or they're taking these buildings and then they're raising uh, the rent so everybody has to move out. Well, what were, what were you doing before that happened? Were you investing in your community? Were you investing in your city council? Were you getting your city council active and protecting the community? Or were you allowing your community to fall by the wayside to where the city said, okay, well, if they don't care about it, then we'll just take a check for it. So it's, it's two sides to this, this game. Um, and a lot of people don't want to talk about that. And it may not be the popular thing to talk about, but it is what it is. There are two sides to it. They can't take your community if you're protecting it and investing in it and pouring love into it and pouring money and resources into it. Uh, so that's my take on, on that one. All right. Our next question is, what is one piece of advice you'd give your 18-year-old self? Uh, this question is from Natasha, and I had to laugh because um, I've answered this question, I don't know how many times, and every time I, I probably have a different answer. Um, a piece of advice I'd give my 18-year-old self right now, what comes to mind is I'd probably tell my 18-year-old self not to expect you out of other people. I think that'd be the best piece of advice I give my 18 year old self. Um, I can honestly say I ruined a lot of relationships, friendships, partnerships, um, you know, and so on by, you know, being a hothead and, and getting upset and getting hurt by, you know, what I felt was people doing me wrong um, early on in my adulthood, you know, and I had to understand I was expecting my, what I would do from other people. 
and you can't do that. People, it took me a long time to understand that, you know, people are human, they make mistakes. Everything that they do is not uh, malicious. It's not intentionally to hurt you, but they are going to hurt you. You know, your parents, your siblings, um, your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever the case may be, you're going to be hurt by people because they're, they're not perfect. Um, however, you have to understand just because you would do something a certain way, just because you would say something a certain way, just because you would handle something a certain way, doesn't mean that everybody else is going to have that same uh, moral code or that same uh, work ethic or the same amount of respect. So, you know, sometimes, uh, as my fiance likes to say, you have to give people a little grace, you know, and you can't just be quick to cut people off, throw the relationship away and, and just be done with them. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, that's definitely a piece of advice. I, I go back and give my 18 year old self, um, not to expect you out of other people and be a lot more willing and, and quicker to forgive than to just throw away. Uh, we have a comment here. <laughs> she said, now that's freedom because expecting you and others will get you hurt every time. Exactly. Exactly. All right. That was a great question, Natasha. Uh, next up, we have, how can you become a strong leader in an office full of men if you're a woman and a bit of an introvert from Kim? Uh, so Kim, first and foremost, I need you to change your mindset. Um, it's not about becoming a leader um, if you're a woman, you know, because you're in an office full of men. If you can do the job, if you can lead, if you know the material, you should be able to lead, period, man, male or female. Um, you know, if, if you're in an office full of chauvinism or, you know, you feel like because you're an introvert, they don't listen to you or you get passed over, you have to look inside and find your voice. You have to find that thing that makes you stand tall, square your shoulders, you know, and, and stand up straight and say, look, this is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. This is why I am the best for this position. And let me show you how I lead by example. Um, I understand that a lot of uh, men, for better lack of terms, are, are buttheads. Um, you know, and you still have in a lot of offices the old school culture of, you know, where men feel like they should be in charge and women should be secretaries. Well, guess what? This is 2021 and those days are gone. Those days are long gone. You have women being CEOs, CFOs and, and so on. Um, so don't be intimidated by the men that you feel won't listen because you're you're quiet, you're shy, you're a little more introverted. You have to find your voice, let them know who you are and let them know that, you know, like I said, you're built for this. You have this quality, the qualifications, you have the skill sets, you have the knowledge and damn it, y'all going to listen. You know, don't don't give them the option. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you have to lead by example, but also know when to put your foot down. And it, it doesn't take long, you know, it's something that you have to be firm, fair and consistent, but it won't take long. Once they know that you're about your business, they'll come along. They will definitely come along. Um, this is a topic that we just hit on um, on a previous podcast where I had, um, you know, some incredible women on, you know, and they talked about how they deal with this in an office setting. Um, so, you know, if you would like a women's a woman's perspective one that i definitely say check out two podcasts ago um where i had you know like i said three strong queens on and, and they pretty much laid it out you know how you deal with it how you overcome it but you know as far as just overall leadership you have to know who you are be confident in who you are and like i said be strong in who you are don't be timid don't let them intimidate you you know don't don't tiptoe around them like those days are over women have just as powerful a voice in the office as men do and and not just in the office but in any arena you know so let them know that no you're not a secretary no you're not there to do their work and you're not there to bow down to their dumbass egos like it's, it's just not gonna happen you deserve just as much respect 
you know, as anybody else in the office. So that'd be my take on that one, Kim. I hope that helped out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the Successes Within Reach podcast, season two, episode 11, questions from the audience, where I am addressing questions that you guys have sent in um, pretty much this whole season. I'm trying to get to as many of them as I can. And we're about to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right. Let's get back at it with your questions. This one's a really good one. Uh, so Javier, Javier uh, want to make sure I'm saying that right, says, what are the essential checklist items for setting up my new business? So Javier, I'm glad that you asked. This is my wheelhouse. All right. So when you're setting up a new business, there's a few things that you're going to uh, need. Um, essentially, you got six things on your checklist. First and foremost is you need a name, an identity, and a purpose. You know, uh, when you're naming your business, you want a name that's going to be strong, it's going to be brandable, and it's also going to identify with your business. Uh, you know, you don't want something that, that just sounds cool or sounds trending, but when people see it, they got to figure out what in the heck is this. You know, they don't know what it is that you do, what it is that you offer, or even what category your business falls under. Um, unfortunately, we live in a day and time where people don't necessarily want to do a lot of research. So when you're naming your business, make sure, first and foremost, you start with your name, your identity and your purpose. Um, you know, what, it, what is it that you stand for? What are your, your morals, your ethics? What is your statement of purpose? Uh, who is it that you're serving? What is it that you're bringing to the table? Are you going to be a service or, or do you have products? Um, you know, you need to figure out all of those things first. Second thing is you want to go and establish your business as an LLC or S Corp, uh, you know, whatever the case may be with your particular state commission. And you want to make sure you get all licenses and permits taken care of. Please, please, please do not skip that step. I don't care how many people go to your website. I don't care how many people buy things from you. If you have not made your business legit, and as of the state and federal government, it's all for nothing. You don't have a business, you have a hobby that's making money. Uh, next up, you wanna get your EIN number. Um, that is your employee employer identification number, which you get from the IRS. You can go on the irs.gov uh, website and get that knocked out. Don't fall victim to the people on uh, the internet and on social media to tell you, oh, I can do it for you. And they try to charge you two, $300 to get it done. It's not that deep. You can go take care of the whole thing by yourself. It only takes about five minutes. Once you have all of your information, get it done. They give you your number, print it out. Boom, you're done. Uh, that's what makes you legal in the eyes of the IRS. Uh, next up, you want to go and get a company bank account not a PayPal, not just a Square account, none of that type of stuff, an actual legitimate company bank account. Um, you have to have that set up. Can't, 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 can't skip that. Um, after that, you want to go and get a DMB, a Dunn's number uh, through Dun & Bradstreet. This is pretty much um, the credit company uh, for businesses. You know, you can also use Experian and Equifax and whatnot, but you want to have a DUNS number. A lot of companies that you go through to get credit or funding, they're going to ask you what's your DUNS number. Uh, so you want to go and take care of that. Like I said, it's through Dun & Bradstreet. You can Google it. It'll take you right to the website. Again, only takes a few minutes to set up. You don't need to hire somebody to get that set up. And then last but not least, you want to work on a website. Now you have a few options here. You can have a full length website or you can just have a landing page that takes them to um, some type of offer or somewhere for you to collect information. It's up to you. It depends on what type of business you have. Like I said, you need to figure out whether you have a product or whether you provide some type of service. And then from there, you can branch out as to what type of website you wanna have. 
with your website, it needs to be functional. It needs to be um, easy to follow. Please don't make it too complex. People shouldn't feel like they're jumping in the matrix when they go to your website. You know, they should be able to boom, 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 figure out where they're going, get to what they need to get to, be able to contact you. Uh, please make sure that you have the proper contact information. I don't know how in the heck I see websites where people don't even have a phone number or email listed. How, uh, how are people supposed to get in touch with you? Uh, so please make sure you have all of these essential information, your disclaimers, like I said, all product information or service information, uh, something about you or about your team, about your company. Um, you know, like I said, some type of way to capture information and then do a little bit of research and make sure that your color schemes are what um, match your identity and match your uh, brand, your branding. Um, there are several, several uh, resources out there with color wheels as, it's, as it applies to business. And it'll let you know certain colors invoke certain emotions in people. Um, and it'll help you to pretty much pull your logo together as well as pull your website together. Uh, so those are your six check checklist items. Again, number one, name, identity, and purpose. Number two, um, get your LLC, S-Corp, whatever the case may be, all licenses and permits. Number three, your EIN number. Four, your company bank account. Five, your Dunn's number from Dunn and Bradstreet. And last but not least, your website. Uh, but anything else, please feel free to send me a message. Uh, email me, drop, you know, something in the comments. I'll be more than happy to help you get all of this mapped out so you can go and get it set up. All right. Next up, Melissa says, how do I know when I've created the right logo for my brand? All right. Again, y'all are in my bag on this one. So, Melissa, uh, for a good logo, it's pretty much five uh, particular components that you want to have. Number one is it's simple. Um, you know, as I just talked about in the previous question, uh, people should be able to look at your logo and figure out what it is. They should not have to do rocket science, do a Google search and, and scratch their head and have a whole lot of craziness trying to figure out what your logo is about. Um, you know, like I said, make it simple, but, you know, not just stick figures or anything crazy as well. Uh, second, is it memorable or impactful? Is it something that's going to stick in people's heads? Um, is it something that when a person says, hey, I saw a shirt, hey, I saw a coat, I saw a commercial, I saw a soda can, whatever the case may be, with such and such logo, can another person say, oh, yeah, I remember that. I know that logo. That's such and such company. Um, you know, the next up is timeless. Is it something that is going to withstand time or are you making something that's just trendy for right now? I'm going to tell you, if you're making your logo trendy, you're going to end up changing it and having to rebrand. And that can be very, very costly. You can lose a lot of customers uh, because, yeah, it, people will feel like um, you don't know what's going on. You're just trying to keep up with the times. You don't have something that's trustworthy. Um, that can just go way, way, way left. So you want to have something that's timeless, something that regardless what's trending in your particular niche, what's going on, who's at the top, who's the new kid on the block, your logo still stands the test of time. Um, is it versatile? You know, um, does it look good on a website? Does it look good on your social media? Does it look good on products? Um, does it look good on a T-shirt? Does it look good on a backdrop? Um, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever you're putting on, how versatile is it? Is it something that you're going to have to keep changing the colors depending on what you put it on? Or does it work with pretty much everything? Um, and then last but not least, is it appropriate or relevant? Um, how much does it fit the purpose and identity of your particular brand? Um, you don't want to have, you know, some crazy... Um, race car and your company is selling, you know, baloney or something, you know, or, or you don't want to have, you know, some some crazy glitter and confetti everywhere and you're supposed to have a, a, an accounting service or something, you know, have an appropriate and relevant logo that matches your brand, matches your identity, and it also speaks to your target customer. 
you know, that's really, really big. Is your target customer going to look at it and be intrigued or are they going to look at it and be turned off? Um, so think about that. And um, like I said, those are pretty much the five things. Um, well, five components, rather, when it comes to designing a logo. And then from there, you want to test it out on some people. Call your friends, call, you know, your family, say, hey, this is the logo I'm thinking about going with for my new company. What do you think about it? Um, if you have an apparel line, you know, do a couple of mock-ups and say, hey, do you think this logo looks dope on a, on a T-shirt? Would you wear this on a hat? Would you wear this on a coat? You know, and take it from there. Take people's feedback, um, you know, put a couple of posts out on social media, you know, or either DM it to some people that you trust or some consultants that you trust, get some feedback and then, you know, go from there with it. Um, I would suggest come up with a couple of concepts, you know, when you, you're putting those feelers out there in the atmosphere and then whatever one gets the best feedback, go with it. Uh, so I hope that helps. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> Autumn says, how do I become a good public speaker? All right. So first and foremost, I'm going to say you have to understand that it takes time. Uh, public speaking is not something that I feel people are born with. It's something that people have to be groomed for and they have to build up that skill set. Um, first and foremost, you have to figure out what is your area of expertise? Um, what is something that you could talk about all day long with little to no notes without anybody else having to help you out? You could just go an hour straight, you know, figure out what is what is it that you excel at? Um, from there, figure out what is your target audience? You know, um, who is your ideal audience? Is it middle schoolers? Is it high schoolers? Is it college students, uh, young adults? Is it the 30 to 40 group? Are you talking to retirees? Are you talking to military uh, soldiers, uh, government employees, nurses, whatever the case may be? Figure out what your target audience is. From there, you want to start learning how to develop a proper keynote or a proper speech. Um, learn the actual components of it. Learn how to open. Learn when to make jokes. Learn when to um, change the tone and the pitch of your voice. Uh, learn when to ask questions. Learn when to pause. Uh, that's very important when you're doing speeches as well. Learn when to prop make the proper pause. Um, you know, know when to do Q&A, know when to cut it off, know how to give a strong close. Um, you know, all of those things are a part of becoming a good public speaker. And once you've figured out those three components, then just practice, practice, practice and practice some more. Um, you know, record yourself, set up your phone and record yourself talking in the bathroom mirror and then go back and watch it and critique yourself. Um, you know, practice in front of some of your friends, practice in front of some of your family. Um, hell, you know, you can set up a Zoom and just talk on the Zoom as if you're doing a whole, you know, public speech or, or presentation and then play it back or, you know, email it to a few people and say, hey, I'm practicing on my public speaking, trying to get better. What do you think of this? Um, and then take that feedback and, you know, get better at it. But, you know, it all, it all comes down to practicing, you know. Um, learning how to work the stage um, now in this, you know, pandemic field, a lot of people are doing things virtually. So, you know, like I said, learning a lot of speech writing techniques and tone and pitch techniques um, are going to be very key. Uh, so I hope that helps out, Autumn. All right. Next up, we have Amber says, what is the main difference between a copyright and a trademark? Uh, very, very good question. Um, so uh, we'll start this by saying you can find all of this information uh, or the best place to find this information is on www. I believe it's USPTO.gov, uh, the Patent Trademark Office. Um, copyrights protect creative or intellectual works uh, like poetry, um, books, novels, uh, movies, songs, things like that. A trademark protects a company's name, products, logos, and slogans. Um, so that's the biggest difference between a copyright and a trademark. 
Um, there are a few more intricacies, um, but you know, I, I definitely would say go to USPTO.gov. Um, they will help you to decipher which one you need to be filing. And then they also can even help you with getting uh, legal assistance for getting it filed. Um, because that is some paperwork, I promise you, you do not want to screw up and have to do two or three times. It can become very, very costly. Um, so those are the biggest differences. Again, copyrights are creative works or intellectual properties like songs, books, movies, uh, poetry, things of that nature. Trademarks are for your company's name, products, logos, and slogans. Uh, but great question. Great, great question. All right. We have come to our second break, ladies and gentlemen. Again, this is the Successes Within Reach podcast, season two, episode 11. Questions from the audience. We'll be right back after this break. And this break is brought to you by the Breakthrough Kings. Next up, we have Brandon says, I have a lot of social media followers, but little customers. How do I convert them? Uh, this is a question that I see a whole lot. Um, so first, you have to understand followers don't equal customers. Followers are just that followers. You have to put in the work to convert them into customers. Um, so one way that you do that is based on your product or your service, you can uh, set up a system to where every time you get a follower, um, it sends them a DM or instant message, depending on a particular platform to say, hi, how are you doing? Thanks for following. This is who I am. This is what I do, or this is what I uh, provide. Uh, let me know if there's anything that I can do to help you. And then you can put a quick link to your website. Um, or a quick link to whatever the product of the month is or whatever is on sale, Shopify store, so forth and so on. That's one way you can do it. You can set up um, open forums by going live um, on a particular day and time of the week. Again, I would say keep it very, very, very consistent. Um, if you know you say you're going to go on Tuesdays at six o'clock, people are going to be expecting you Tuesdays at six o'clock. Uh, you know, and there is where you're able to showcase your services, your expertise, uh, let people know, you know, that you appreciate them following you, um, do, you know, live Q&A or just pick, you know, particular topics that allow you to show off your expertise, excuse me, um, have some type of offer in your clothes and let people know how they how they can get in contact with you outside of social media. There you can start converting people as well. Um, you know, it's hard for me to say without knowing your exact social media where you may be going wrong. Um, but, you know, are you putting your website in your social media posts? Are you post just posting to be posting or are you actually posting your products and services? Are you posting to just be posting or are you posting with intent? Um, a lot of businesses or entrepreneurs in particular screw up by posting just to post. Your personal page should not be your business page. Your business page is just that. Um, if you have, you know, two or three posts about your services and products, and then all of a sudden there's pictures of you while and not in the club from All-Star Weekend, you, you've just lost a lot of potential customers, you know. Um, so make sure that you're posting with intent you know, I'm not saying you can't show part of your personal life. However, it shouldn't be you wilding in the club or you stunned with money in your hand or anything that's misrepresenting what your business uh, stands for. Um, you know, but like I said, using your instant messages and DMs, uh, going live, uh, whether you do a podcast uh, like this, um, you know, or you just go, you know, like Instagram Live or, or something like that or on TikTok. 
um, making sure that you're posting with intent, make sure that you are dropping your website, uh, email contact and info. Um, some people use business phone numbers as well. Um, that's another way that you can do that. Um, and then re just reaching out to people, you know, social media is just that you have to be social. Um, a lot of people say, oh, I'm getting followers, but nobody's liking anything. Nobody's sharing anything. Nobody's commenting on anything. And I'm not converting these people into customers. Well, you're not being sociable. You're just posting. And if you're just posting, that's all you're going to get. You know, so you also have to go out and reach those that are following you if you're trying to convert them into clients and customers. However, understand everybody's not going to follow you to become a customer. Some people may just simply like your content and that's it, but they're not in the particular market for what it is that you offer. That's fine. That doesn't mean go and delete them or block them or anything like that. Please don't be that person. Uh, there's no room for emotions in business. Um, I, I will say that again. There's absolutely no room for emotions in business. You cannot wear your heart on your sleeve. So please don't go and be that person. Um, you know, but like I said, there are strategies that you can put in place. There are systems you can put in place. Um, you know, auto delivery uh, things. Some people use um, like Hootsuite where you can schedule your post and, you know, different parts of your social media can be strategized and optimized. A lot of different ways you can go about that. Uh, but best thing I would say is actually send me a message um, so I can actually look at your page and I'll sit down and go over it with you and let you know what it is that you may be doing wrong, what needs to be removed and how you can optimize your particular platforms. Uh, hope that helps out, Brandon. All right. Ooh. so Nicole says, how do you get over being cheated on? and rebuild your relationship. Uh, so first and foremost, Nicole, I will say there is no simple answer to this. Reason being, it depends on what you want to do. It depends on your level of tolerance, your level of trust that was broken, and your acceptance of the reason behind the cheating um i understand there's a lot of different factors that can play into this uh the time that you've been together if you all live together if there are children involved so forth and so on but only you can decide what zero tolerance and what's not uh what's able to be forgiven and what's not um as far as how you get over it and rebuild your relationship uh as you asked number one it takes time Number two, it takes communication. Um, it takes a lot of open communication. It takes a lot of honesty, uh, which I know is pretty hard to ask, being that, you know, infidelity we stepped in. Um, but, you know, if you were the one that was cheated on, uh, he or she needs to be open and honest to explain exactly what happened, why it happened, how many times it happened and what they're willing to do to rectify the situation. Um, from there, then it's up to you to say, I can accept that and I'm willing to stand by as you put in the work to repair this or put up the deuces and be out. Uh, but I don't, me personally, I don't think that there's a right or a wrong answer. Um, I can't tell you just to a up and be out. I know my personal stance on it, but I'm not that person that tells somebody else uh, just, you know, up and what they should do. However, I do know the process that you can go through, you know, which is like I said, taking the time out, um, do some, you know, some uh, looking in the mirror, figuring out what it is you want to do. If you're happy, you know, with your decision, and how do you move on? Only you know what rebuilding and moving on looks like. Um, if you all need to seek couples uh, therapy or counseling, hey, I say go for it. Um, but like again, I can't tell you what you need to do. However, in regards to your question, those are some suggestions. Um, but yeah, you it, it, it takes a lot to get over that. And if they can't be completely honest with you as to why it happened, uh, how often it happened, 
of when and where, the why, like answer all of the five W's, then hey, you might have your answer right there. Um, hope that works out for you. Uh, that's that's the best I can give you on that one. Cause like I said, I, uh, certain, certain topics, I, I don't want to be the one to tell someone else what to do. Um, you know, I feel like we're all grown. We all have the capacity to make the decisions that are best for our lives uh, with the information that we have. Um, and I feel like this is something that you and your partner need to sit down. Like I said, have a very raw and uncut conversation and then you make the best decision for you from there. Uh, not the best decision for y'all, the best decision for you because you were the one that was cheated on in this situation. Uh, so I hope that helps. All right. Man, y'all going in on the end of these. Uh, the next one is, why are men afraid to express emotions? Crystal, 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 crystal. So um, that's kind of a loaded question. However, I would start by saying men aren't afraid to express emotions. I think that a lot of men are taught not to express emotions, unfortunately. Um, a lot of men are taught that it makes them look weak. Um, it makes them not look like the man of the house or it makes them, um, you know, not look like they're in control or have the ability to lead. Um, so it's not necessarily that they're afraid to, it's that unfortunately they were improperly taught um, that it is healthy to express emotions. It is healthy not only for your own emotional and mental health, but also for the health of your relationship uh, when you are dealing with a partner that is supposed to be supportive and you know empathetic as well as sympathetic when need be and uplifting. Um, a lot of that comes from uh, improper upbringing. Some of it can come from damaging relationships um, where, you know, maybe he shared his emotions and then it was later thrown back in his face or he was ridiculed for it, or maybe um, him sharing his emotions turned into gossip for everybody. So he shut down and said, okay, I'm not going to put myself in that position for it to happen again. Uh, there's a lot of different things that can uh, be a part of why he doesn't want to express his emotions, not necessarily that he's afraid to express his emotions. Um, so I would say if you are dealing with a man that you feel like is afraid to express his emotions, um, have a conversation with him where you are allowing or not allowing, but you are making him aware that it is a safe space and that, you know, you're there to listen. You're there to uh, understand where he's coming from, why he thinks or feels a particular way about whatever the particular case is, and then you all have a good in-depth conversation about it. Um, you know, in, in situations where you're dealing with someone who's not a big proponent of sharing emotions openly, sometimes you have to understand that in those situations, you have to listen to listen and not listen to respond uh, in order for them to get it out. And then, you know, like I said, let them know that you're there to support them. You're there to love on them. You're not there to expose them or to later throw it in their face or just trying to find ammunition. Uh, make that person feel safe and comfortable about it. Now, if you are doing those things and they're still they still have this, you know, huge wall up and they just refuse to, um, you know, express any emotion whatsoever, that may be a deep deeply, deeply rooted issue that I'm sorry, but you have to understand you're not going to be the one to fix it. Um, that's a part of relationships sometimes that sucks, uh, where we feel like if I can just find a way, if I can just get that door open, I can help my partner do this, this, and this. Sometimes your partner needs a therapist. Um, and that, that's just as plain and simple as I can put it. Sometimes you cannot fix it. I don't care how much you think you're a superman or a superwoman. Sometimes your partner is um, dealing with some deep-seated trauma that only a therapist is going to be able to, to unlock. Now, from there, you can come in and, and find out what you can do to help keep that door open. Uh, but depending on, you know, like I said, what that deep-rooted issue is, sometimes you may not be able to get that door open. Uh, but like I said, I don't think that it's 
just automatically that men are afraid. A lot of times there's a deeper rooted issue with it. Uh, so I hope that helps, Crystal. All right. And last but not least for this week, um, Sahara or Sahara, um, I hope I got, got it right, says, how do you get over the fear of failure? Uh, so I would say, you know, as I, as I started with on one of the previous questions, you have to change your mindset. Um, the fear of failure is real. So acknowledge that, you know, you have a particular fear of failure, but I need you to define your fear, figure out what it is that's causing that fear. And then I need you to figure out if it's realistic or if it's something that's just in your head. Um, once you define your fear, figure out if it's realistic or not, then start setting small obtainable goals, uh, maybe no more than four at a time, you know, to help you start working through that fear. You're never going to get over any type of fear if you don't start working through it. So once you define your fear, then you start setting small obtainable goals. From there, I need you to get an account of two things get an accountability partner and get a support partner. No, they cannot be the same person. I'll tell you why. Your support partner needs to be somebody who empathizes with your fear and they're going to support you the times that it's hard for you to overcome it and work through those small obtainable goals that we just talked about. Your accountability partner is going to be the person that says, let's do it. And if you can't do it by yourself, I'm going to do it with you, but you're going to get it done. So I need those to be two different people. Um, from there, the last thing you got to do is just simply take one day at a time and one step at a time. You're not going to overcome any type of fear in one day. You didn't build it in a day. You're not going to overcome it in a day. That's why I said make small attainable goals, take small steps a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time until you eventually need your accountability partner less and less, you need your support partner less and less, and you're pretty much just giving them both reports instead of going to them um, to assist you along the way until you know, you're able to overcome that fear. Um, fear of failure is real. It's, it's something that I think more people fall victim to than actually talk about it. And it's, it, it can pretty much derail your career. It can derail a relationship, um, several different aspects of your life. So if you feel like you have recognized that you have the fear of failure, start on this process as soon as possible because it, it can completely derail your progress and stop you from being the superstar that you were born to be. Um, so again, number one, define your fear. Number two, set up attainable goals, no more than four at a time. Number three, get an accountability partner and a support partner. And then last but not least, take it one day at a time, one step at a time, one goal at a time. Uh, hope that helps. Um, you know, if there's several, several uh, books and resources that you can get on this, um, you know, if it's to the point that you feel like you need a therapist or a counselor for it, I'm all for reaching out and taking that step to get that help. Um, but, you know, these are four things that you can do on your own to start that process, see how it goes. And if you need, you know, someone professional to come in and help you along that way, go for it. Uh, but I hope that helps you out, Sahara or, or Sahara. I'm not sure exactly which one it is. Uh, my apologies for whichever one is wrong. Like I said, I'm a stickler on getting people's names right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this week's episode. Um, this has been <laughs> this has been something else. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. Um, I hope that I covered um, a lot of questions that you know resonated with a lot of you guys. Um, the people that sent all of these in, I thank you. Um, hopefully, you were watching tonight, or you will watch on the replay, or when it's uploaded for streaming. Um, and get your questions answered. Um, re remember, you can always send in your questions at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. 
Um, we're also on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Um, at any time, send a comment or send a DM. And I will definitely be doing another show like this. Uh, you know, you guys picked my brain quite a bit on a lot of different topics this evening, and I appreciate it. Um, want to remind you all that you can find us on Anchor, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, um, and several other platforms. Uh, but those are the main ones. And as always, uh, this week's Mind Shift Moment. Uh, let me get back to it. So this week's Mind Shift Moment says, when you become lazy, you disrespect everyone that ever believed in or supported you. Once again, when you become lazy, you disrespect everyone that ever believed in or supported you. Uh, whether you know it or not, there's a bunch of people rooting for you to win, waiting on your breakthrough and cheering for your success. Stay focused, remain humble, and keep grinding. Don't let them down. You inspire people you may never even speak to, but believe me, they're watching. You know you're designed for greatness, and I know you're designed for greatness. You just have to go and show the world. And that is this week's Mind Shift Moment. Again, it's been a blast rocking out with you guys this week. Uh, this has been Season 2, Episode 11, Questions from the Audience. Once again, I'm your host, Shannon Smith. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore CEO underscore within. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of the CEO Within You, uh, my business consulting firm. You can find it at www.theceowithinyou.com. And as always, you can find me here every Thursday at 8 o'clock on the Successes Within Reach podcast. Until next week, remember you are not designed to be good. You are designed to be great. And I will see you next week. Later. Thank you.